This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles. We're going to be moving around again this evening, looking at various scripture texts. But I want to pick up in a study that we actually uh, put on hold back in January. God led to start looking at various protocols for prayer. We just concluded that series. And so tonight, I'd like to go back to the Pilgrim's Progress. We're going to do this in the weeks leading up to uh, the Good News Bible Institute. That will be coming early next year. But John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is a story, an allegory, that is very, very helpful for God's people. Uh, As I have studied this at various times in my journey with the Lord, Pilgrim's Progress reminds me of a couple things. First of all, uh, that there really are not to be in a Christian's life any obscure passages. And when you study Puritan writers, and Bunyan would be one of these nonconformists, these guys had a command, not just of the passages they learned in Awana. They didn't have Awana, okay. But passages that you and I would would read in, in a part of Scripture may not be familiar to us. We may just even pass over that uh, text, and yet... These guys knew the word. And in their time it was precious because the word, all of it, sustained them in some very hard times as pilgrims, as they were progressing in their journey through life. All the scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, isn't it? We're to know it. Uh... I'm on Facebook, not my favorite thing to do, but I I watch, I read, I read what you put in there, and I look at these posts, and sometimes uh, the posts are full of uh, people's thoughts, sometimes it's practical wisdom, sometimes it's good wisdom, but many times it lacks God's wisdom. I don't understand why Christians on Facebook aren't quoting the Bible, except that maybe that's a little insecure for us because we really don't know the Bible like we should. But God has given us there all that pertains to life and godliness, and with these these Puritan preachers, these nonconformists, separatists, uh, the word of God sustained them through some very, very difficult times. And many of them were saved out of lives of debauchery or even religion. They, they were religious, but they were lost. And so when they came to Christ later, the word of God was precious to them because they realized the great deliverance that they had through the Lord Jesus. And so that was Bunyan's testimony. And as he's sitting in prison, 
and writing this allegory. He's really sharing a testimony, but he's using a great story to do it. And he draws from the scripture, and he, he draws from his life's experiences. Uh, God saved him out of the city of destruction. And, and, and as he's uh, now, as he was seeking the cross, there, there were those things in life trying to distract him from the cross. But all along the way, there was somebody to share truth with him. In fact, one of the characters we saw early on is a representative uh, or represents his pastor, the man that led him to the Lord. But all along the journey, there, there are those along the pathway that are there to share truth and steer him in the right direction. And I reminded us back at that time, that is our responsibility as Christians. You're going to meet somebody, they're searching, you're, they're seeking. You may not be the one to lead them to Christ, but you share truth and you point them in the right direction. Share the gospel. Watch what God will do with that. And, and we rejoice as we saw Pilgrim come to the foot of the cross. And he looks up and he, he acknowledges his own sinfulness and he realizes uh, that he needs to put his faith in the one hanging on that cross. Remember that, that pack of sin, his past. It breaks from his shoulders. And, uh, and I love the way Bunyan does this. It rolls down the hill and right into an empty tomb. Wow. The price paid, the victory won. And then, now the pilgrim is Christian, and he sets on his way. And, and God just continues to meet his need. But he, he has been far enough along in the journey now. You'll remember he came to House Beautiful. There's a wonderful family there, several daughters, and they help to encourage him, disciple him. And before he leaves that place of rest and peace, they take him into a room, and they, it's, it's really an armory. And they help him get fitted with the armor of God. And in that armor, he sets out now, uh, and, and he, he's working his way through the countryside, and, and there are mountains, and there are hillsides, and valleys, and as, as he moves along, the last time we were together, we looked at the fact that he comes down a road and he runs into a dragon beast, Apollyon. And of course, that name, Bunyan lifted from the book of Revelation, the king of demons, the demons that, that are in the Euphrates that will be released, the, the, their king is called Apollyon. And Apollyon does war with Christian. And that's where we're going to pick up the story tonight. And what we're going to look at, I think, will encourage our hearts, even with some of the personal experiences some of you have been through recently. Our place in the story brought us to a great battle that Christian had with Apollyon. When Apollyon's tempting and threatening words hadn't caused Christian to turn back. He's always get, trying to get Christian to turn back. The demon attacked with a violent assault of fiery darts. Where do we read about fiery darts in the Bible? Ephesians chapter 6. We need to have the armor of God. We need to have the shield of faith so that we can quench 
the fiery darts of the wicked, including the wicked one. Christian's shield of faith saved his life, but Apollyon only turned back after the weary warrior struck a blow with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So he's doing this combat. Apollyon continues to advance and gets within range that he takes the sword and he plunges it into the beast. Bunyan recounts in his dream, this combat no man can imagine unless he had seen and heard, as I did, the yelling and hideous roaring Apollyon made during all of the fight. He spake like a dragon and on Christian's part, what sighs and groans burst from his heart. It wasn't until he was wounded that Apollyon or that he wounded Apollyon with a two-edged sword, that he did smile and look upward. As Bunyan looked on, then he said this. His comment about the fight was this. A more unequal match can hardly be. Christian must fight an angel. Can I just pause there for a moment? We are mere men. Do you know from Scripture that we fight angels? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness, where? High places. Jesus one day turned to Peter and said, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. Have you ever stuck your hand into a, uh, maybe a gunny sack of grain? That may be exposing my background a little bit here, okay? And just let, you can do with that whatever you want. And the Lord Jesus is saying, Peter, that's what Satan wants to do with you. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You know, yesterday's election had very little to do with flesh and blood, I believe. So a more unequal match can hardly be Christian must fight an angel. But you see, the valiant man by handling sword and shield caused that dragon to quit the field. Wow. What does James tell us? Resist the Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And what will that angel do? He'll flee. Now, Christian, we're not always so serious as we should be about this matter. Jesus told the disciples that night in the garden, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Everything that was going to happen in Gethsemane that night was orchestrated by the enemy. So they needed to be beware, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary. The devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So Pilgrim's Progress makes the Christian face the reality that we don't wrestle against flesh but against that spiritual wickedness. Therefore, we must be sober and vigilant. Someday, we will judge angels, 1 Corinthians 6.3 says. As you serve the Lord here, you're going to have the privilege of reigning over angels. But now we must contend with them. Not in our own might, 
not in our own strength, but through Christ. How do we cause them to quit the field? We must submit to God. And I believe as James references that, that submitting to God does take into account. Submission is trust. Submission is faith. And so when I submit to God, what I'm doing is I'm yielding to the Lord. I'm yielding to the indwelling spirit. And what happens? Immediately shields up. The shield is up. And as I'm trusting, the Lord is deflecting whatever temptation is coming my way. Sometimes that temptation is pretty intense, isn't it? So not only does submit to God reference the shield of faith, but it also references the sword of the Spirit. If I'm submitting to God, then I give my mind to what he has spoken. And I claim it as truth. I believe it. I stand on it. And it protects me. As with our Savior in flesh, at his temptation. Do you remember the example of Jesus? What did he do? He goes out to be tempted in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Satan would tempt him, what did the Lord do? He wielded the sword. He wielded the sword. Battle rages. Satan doesn't immediately run. Battle rages. And you can read about it there in Luke's Gospel. But then Satan is gone. He's defeated. Then Bunyan goes on. Then there came to him a hand with some of the leaves of the tree of life. The which Christian took and applied to the wounds he had received in the battle. And he was healed immediately. Now Bunyan doesn't talk about whose hand it was, probably the hand of God in his, in his imagination. But he mentions here the tree of life. And so being healed, Christian sat down in that place to eat bread and drink from the bottle that had been given him in the house beautiful. So being refreshed, he started again on his journey with his sword drawn in his hand, but Apollyon did not appear Again, the tree of life is a wonderful picture. Here's a healed warrior now moving forward. Have you ever studied the tree of life in the scripture? If you have, here's what you'll discover. Three times it's mentioned in Genesis. Three times it's mentioned in Revelation. So it, the, the bookmarks Okay, the, 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 the start, the close of, of the rest of the book, Tree of Life. Sadly, in Genesis, Adam and Eve were banished from the garden and the tree. You don't want to be a sinner and not be able to die. What a wretched life. So God got them out of the garden. But then we're told the next time that tree appears is where? Help me. Where's the tree now? The tree is in heaven. Do you know there's a transplant in the Bible? It is, that tree is in heaven. All right. And 
the scripture tells us that when we get there, we'll be able to eat of that tree. But here's, here's what's so wonderful. When I get to heaven, I won't eat of that tree to sustain my eternal life. I already have eternal life. So I'll be able to enjoy the tree, but, but it just represents what I already possess and will forever. Isn't it wonderful to know what Adam and Eve were thrust away from? You and I already have the benefit of that tree, but we haven't eaten of the fruit. You and I have eternal life if you're saved. And if you've been away from the Lord, confess that to him, get right with God, but you still have eternal life because when you got saved, your sin was washed away. You're justified. You've been declared righteous. And for eternity, we'll get to walk by that tree, pluck its fruit, take a bite, knowing this represents who we are in the household of faith. What a blessing. And so when you get wounded here, think of that tree of life. Sin can get you. A fiery dart can slip by. You can be wounded, but let the Lord who made that tree heal you. Now at the end of this valley was another valley called the valley of the shadow of death. And as the narrow way led this way, he must needs go through it towards the celestial city. Now this valley was a solitary place. The prophet Jeremiah thus described it. And again, this is where I just appreciate Bunyan's command of the scripture. Jeremiah described it as a wilderness, a land of deserts and pits, a land of drought and of the shadow of death, a land that no man passes through. You can read the rest of the text that's on the screen before you. That's what Jeremiah was describing. Jeremiah's reference to the valley of the shadow of death speaks of experiencing spiritual aloneness. Puritans referred to this as the dark night of the soul. Have you ever had any of those dark nights, Christian? Maybe a relationship is struggling. Maybe there's been another failure spiritually. Uh, I think about my dark nights, and, and I think probably the worst ones have been right after I've received news that a loved one is no longer here. Valleys, shadows. There are times when it seems like God has withdrawn himself and his presence has departed. We studied Job together. Did Job feel that way? Where's God? You read the Psalms, did David feel that way? Oh, yeah. And so will everyone who journeys the narrow way to life everlasting. You're going to experience those dark valleys. Sometimes those valleys, sometimes those valleys, you're going to think this is the end. This will be the last valley for me. I'm trying to be sensational at all because it breaks my heart. But imagine being that widow of that missionary in Baghdad when a car stops in front of you 
and a car pins you in from behind and guys get out with weapons and start shooting into the window at your husband. I guarantee you for that dear widow today, that was a valley and she thought this is the valley of death. I'm done too. Do you realize that you've been through valleys where death may have been there, but God sustained you, spared you, and today you don't even know how close you were to eternity? I I think many of us could tell those kinds of stories, right? On the narrow way. And so Bunyan recounts, I saw then in my dream that when Christian was at the border of the shadow of death, there met him two men to discourage him from entering the valley. Where are you going, he said to these men. They responded, back, back, you should go back too. If either life or peace is prized by you. Why, what's the matter? Matter? We were almost in the valley, which is black as pitch. We saw dragons, terrifying creatures, howling, yelling, and overheard the discouraging, and overhead was the discouraging clouds of confusion. Death itself has spread its wings over it. In a word, every part of it is dreadful and utterly without order. As I studied for tonight, as I thought about these words, Sometimes the valley of death and depression are very close together. Probably one of the clearest examples of depression in the Bible is the prophet Elijah. All the classic signs. And he's just ready to die. He's ready to give up. And and it just seems confusing. I've been doing everything God wants me to do. What is going on? Utterly confused. Christian said, I cannot yet see what you have said, but that is in my way to be to the desired haven. I have to continue on. And so he departed. So as he got into the valley on the right side of the path was a very deep ditch into which the blind have led the blind of all ages to destruction. On the left side was a very dangerous bog where if a man fell, he would smother if not plucked out by another. About the midst of the valley was the mouth of hell out of which came flame and smoke. But as Christian stepped forward, he heard the voice of a man. As going before him saying, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for I am with thee. Of course, Bunyan's referencing there Psalm 23 and verse 4. You and I are going to go through these valleys, and we're going to have to stop here tonight. We'll revisit this next time. But in those valleys, reflect on the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He leadeth me. Do you realize as a Christian, it doesn't matter if you're in warfare, if you're in one of these dark valleys, who's out front? Who's out front? The good shepherd of the sheep. He's always there. I will never leave you nor forsake you.
That's what he said. Now, Edward Mode, in his hymn, The Solid Rock, references the experience of Christian in Bunyan's story. You recognize these words? When darkness fails his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. So I'll close with this reminder tonight. When you go through the, the final valley of the shadow of death, and I'm so glad God doesn't show us ahead of time when that valley's coming. Aren't you glad? Well, I want to know the future. No, you don't. No, you don't. But he will take you by the hand and lead you through all these other valleys, including that last one. And for the Christian, it is just a valley where there are shadows because for the believer, there is no death. Jesus said to the disciples, He that liveth and believeth in me shall never what? Never what? Never die. Wait a minute. I, I, I thought everybody died. Okay, there may be a time if the Lord tarries and we don't hear a trumpet sound where your body quits, but do you know what happens when your body quits? You don't die. Jesus tasted your death along with every man that will believe on him. At that moment, you will simply, your soul will just step right into the presence of God. You will never experience death. Now, our hymn writers will, will say things, they'll reference uh, those, those dark times and so on, but the only time that they're theologically accurate is if they help us understand to be, present, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Life can be full of valleys where the shadow of death seems to hover and spiritual gloom prevails. Yet one day we'll pass through the last of those valleys. Death will not touch us. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the one who's going to guide you through that, that final valley is there and he'll guide you through every other one. So emotionally, if you're struggling, when things just seem to come apart, when you're defeated and the shadows gather, turn to your Lord. He is there and he cannot fail you. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for these reminders we're all pilgrims. This world is not our home, though sometimes we act like we're going to be here forever, and we should. But Lord, if we'll walk with you even when things come apart, those valleys come, and we may even wonder if we'll survive physically. When that happens, thank you that your rod and your staff, they comfort us, and you are there. So Lord, help us to go with that confidence, but help us to make sure as Christian walk through this valley, we're 
in full armor because we never know when we're going to need extra footing. We never know when the enemy will attack and we ever need to be mindful of your presence and that we are walking in your footsteps. Give safety as folks head home tonight. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.